Most of us have clothes that we've loved for years, maybe even decades, but it's harder than ever to find clothes that will stand the test of time. If you're looking for more pieces designed to last, you can't go wrong with American Giant. From hoodies and t-shirts to denim and more, they've got everything you need to build a wardrobe that you'll be proud of for years to come. All American Giant clothing is created with a commitment to doing things better. From the materials they use down to the last stitch in every piece. And everything is made right here in America, in partnership with people and communities. Because keeping things local ensures the kind of quality you'll appreciate as soon as you receive your order. Discover the American Giant difference today. Shop wardrobe essentials that last a lifetime at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code LT23 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code LT23. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. There's no purpose in teaching anybody who don't really want to learn, who really don't want to get to it. Everybody want to play entrepreneur. They don't want the sacrifice that come with the shit. True. Late nights, early mornings. You're going to lose friends, lose girlfriends, family going to call you crazy, not going to believe in you, then you make it, and then everybody going to be like, I'm proud of you, let me get some money. What I've realized that wealthy people understand, mm-hmm. and people in general, it's the small concepts that you can apply to get wealthy. You don't got to be super smart and got to know all the intricacies of real estate or taxes or e-commerce or whatever, trucking, whatever yeah, it is. It's good if you want to be rich in that business, but yeah. you don't need to know that. You don't need to know everything. You just need to know small, basic concepts. Mm-hmm. And one of the smallest basic concepts that anybody can understand is get money by income. Mm. Get money by more money. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste some good food on place. What's well, saying with it, wealthy people? My name is David Bellard. I am one of the founders, leaders, whatever you want to call it, of the Black Wealth Renaissance. You are now tapped into the Black Wealth Renaissance podcast, one of the greatest shows on the planet, if you ask me. Uh, I'm sitting here with my brothers, my co-hosts, Jared and Jalen. How y'all feeling, dog? What's good, y'all? It's your boy, Jalen, man. I'm feeling good, feeling great, feeling amazing, blessed, and I'm just happy to be here, dog, honestly. What about y'all? Hey man, what's good, y'all? It's your boy Jay Spiller, man. I'm I'm feeling great, man. Uh, getting to check in with with somebody who we done learned a lot from, and uh, who I've even learned a lot from on different other shows, like we were talking about offline. 
Uh, so I think it's going to be a really cool episode. Going to get into some real estate stuff. Going to learn a lot, man. Already. Hey, man, I need you to do that intro you was telling me about what you was going to do for my oh, brother, oh, dog. Oh, son, son. So you already know I'm here, son. <laughs> Boom. So look, y'all. Y'all know we don't play whenever it comes to our shit, man. Look. Every time somebody on BWR, you already know it's going to be some pressure. And this is no different. On this episode, bro, we got the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Arkansas himself. The Mr. big C- stepper. Mr. <laughs> CU at the closing table. <laughs> Every day of the damn week. His podcast, none other than Henry Washington. The Henry Washington. Put some respect on his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great, I appreciate that. That's the intro I think I ever got on the podcast. Hey, man. <laughs> you know, you with that energy, bro. Yeah. Like, like, no, real that. shit, like Jared was saying, you really are a wealth of knowledge, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I have learned so much. Even just from that Instagram group we in, like all y'all be kicking so much game, and I learned so much from it. All you brothers, bro. So glad that we could get you on the podcast today. Oh man, happy to be here, man. I love coming out here, hanging out with y'all, man. Y'all are an inspiration. I told y'all that from the day I met y'all, man. Y'all are inspiration to me, and I'm glad to be here. Just tell me the time and the place. I'm always be here for y'all. That man is not he not capping that either. Like he, he pulls up and. I know this is something we've been wanting to get done. So let's just get right into it, Henry. So let's talk about who who you are and how'd you get your way, find your way into real estate. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, Henry Washington. Been a real estate investor for just under five years now, a little over four and a half years. Really? Yeah, man. So not long when you think of, like, the grand scheme of investing. Um, I found it. Uh, let's see. What's the best way to put it? Uh I had a panic attack, man. Like that's that's how I found real estate. I, um, like I tell I tell people I spent my life doing the things that they tell you to do, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of our parents saw like the way to take care of your family was to go to college, get a degree, get a good job, so you get the good benefits, right? Climb that corporate ladder, right? That's that's what they knew and were taught and so like it was just drilled in me as a youth that I was going to go to school right my dad I remember my dad told me like you turn 18 you can go to college or you can go to the military mm. either way you're not gonna be up in here <laughs> right like you know that was just this, yeah, it, that, that was yeah, the mentality then, right, right, and right, I know right. like we're trying to change that as a culture now but like that's what it was when I was growing mm-hmm. up and so I just knew I was gonna go to school so like I, I did it right. I went I went to school. I you know I listened to a previous episode of yours where you talked to uh, DJ and he said, you know he he had uh, he went to school and then had to go on academic probation and that lost his scholarship. I, I man I was sitting there low with her laughing because I had the same story. Man I went to school and I got we called it the hook right when you go away to school and you, you f up. Yank your ass right back home, right? Uh-huh. And so I had that same situation, and so I spent a couple of years BSing around, just just like just like he said he did, and then I ended up going to going to Hampton. So it went to a, it was almost the exact same story, and um, but I did I did what I was supposed to do. I got a good job, right? I mean, I got a good degree. I got a tech degree because I wanted to make good money right out of school, and I got a job uh, working for Walmart. And uh, in their IT department, and like, so people don't realize Walmart's just so massive. They think Walmart cashier, right? Right, <laughs> right. Like, Walmart's got one of the largest, you know, IT departments in the country. It's 
Dang near attack. Large is a workforce. Walmart's oh, workforce yeah. almost outnumbers our military. That's right. That's right. Are you serious? Yes. Yeah, That's an interesting statistic. Yeah, man. So it's, it's, it's one of the largest employers on the planet. And so when I worked for their technology companies, Dang, they're a technology company with what they do. Walmart is a real estate and technology company that sells stuff. Mm. Right. They just sell stuff on the side. Yeah. <laughs> they're also one of the largest landowners in the country behind the Catholic yeah. Church. Who about that? The U.S. government. So, like, it's this massive corporation. So, all that to say, like, I had a good job, mm-hmm. right? I made six figures, and I spent six figures <laughs> plus. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, like... I would get paid and I would legit be trying to figure out, like, you get paid every two weeks. Ten days into the pay period, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get through till I get paid again because I would blow my money. Like, I had no financial education, and but I was single, and so I just didn't care, right? Like, I wasn't motivated to change that because I was making ends meet. And, uh, and then I got married. <laughs> And I don't know if you brothers are, are married or in long-term relationships, but that lifestyle don't fly. Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> so that has structure. Economic instability don't yeah, really go together. She ain't going to be around for a long time, I'll tell you that much. It's, right. It's, exactly, right. And so that's kind of what led to the panic attack. So, uh, again, was following the path that I was you know, told was the right path. And so after I got married, we started to going to buying a house together, right? That's the thing. It's the American dream, right? The white picket fence and all that. And then um, I remember we applied for a loan to get a house and the, the bank called me and they said, they essentially, the gist of the conversation was that if you want your wife to be able to buy a house, you can't be on the loan. Damn. Like the tone of the conversation to me was like, you screwing this up for her. Damn, she would be able to get a house. Right. You the one. Right. Now I'm you the fuck up. Back, right? Yeah. And so, like, that was a big wake-up call because I, like, I did the things, right? right? I went to school. I got the grades. I got the tech degree. I got the good job at the good company. And I can't even support <clears throat> my wife and buying a house, right? Like, so that was, like, big blow to the ego and, like, the first that started the stop process of, like, all right, you got to make some changes, Right, and so we bought that house. Well, she bought that house and let me live in it with her. And then we had conversations, married couple conversations, right? Like, how many kids are we gonna have? Where are we gonna live? What's the dream home look like? Um, Where are we gonna go on vacations? And bro, like, that's supposed to be a fun conversation. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like freaking out during it, but trying not to let her see me freaking out because I was like, dream house. Barely in this house. (laughs) That's real. Hey, that's real though. And so like. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. To your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I was just freaking out, thinking like she wants these things, mm-hmm. she deserves these things. She's looking to me to help us get these things, 
And I don't know how to I, get that. I, I, don't know, like, I don't know how to do it. When it comes to clothes, it's great to have options. But having pieces that you can wear anywhere is a must for everybody. That's why American Giant makes clothing that fits into your life seamlessly, with quality you have to feel to believe. And with an impressive selection of staples to choose from, there's something for everyone. So whether you're on the hunt for the perfect t-shirt, a solid pair of jeans, or super soft sweatshirts, American Giant has what you're looking for. Each American Giant piece is designed to last and created with commitment to doing things better. And all their products are made right here in America. Because keeping things local ensures the kind of quality you'll feel and appreciate for years to come. Discover the American Giant difference today. Shop where anywhere closet staples at American-Giant.com. And get 20% off your first order when you use code WA23 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code WA23. Like, she's more financially stable than me. And so I just was like, I'm freaking out. I go to bed, wake up 3 in the morning, sweating, having a panic attack. Did you have a dream or something? It, uh, I just, I just, I couldn't really go to sleep. I was mm-hmm. restless, finally fell asleep and woke up just... Literally panicking because, in my mind, she was gonna leave me. Right? She was gonna figure out at some point that, like, I look, I look good on paper. Yeah. No. But once you dig into the P and L, once you dig into the numbers, <laughs> this business isn't really doing the things that I thought it was doing. Right? And so, yeah, man, I was, I was like, I got to figure out a way to, to give her what she deserves, to keep her, to, before she realizes that this was, this was a bad deal. Right? And so. Um, I just did what anybody would do at three in the morning when you can't figure out how to make money. I literally Googled, how can I make extra money? <laughs> there we go. YouTube. <laughs> right? And yeah, man. And that's when I found just real estate, articles about real estate, videos about real estate. I found Bigger Pockets. Just every article that came up was some Bigger Pockets article. But that's what led me to see that like real estate was way more achievable than I ever gave it credit for being, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of myths out there about real estate. And the assumption is that, A, you got to have money to buy real estate or that only wealthy people own real estate because that's what I thought. I just thought rich people and corporations own real estate, regular people. It just wasn't. Oh, I just didn't, I didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw a TED Talk of some kid who owned like 20-something doors and he was financially free. The name of the TED Talk was How to Design Your Dream Life Through Passive Income. And when you're having a panic attack about not making enough money and you see something with that title, you watch it, right? Of course. <laughs> right? And I just remember thinking, man, the whole time I'm watching it, and this kid, he had 20-something doors, 20 houses, he's financially free. And I just remember thinking, like, this kid figured this out. Like, I got to be able to figure it out. Like, I'm not in this position because I'm not smart. I'm in this position just because I didn't know enough, mm-hmm. right? I didn't have enough education. And so I said, all right, well, this kid figured it out. I'm going to figure it out. And I do. I just had this peace that came over me. Like, I was like, I was cool. I went to sleep. I woke up. I told my wife, I was like, we're going to be real estate investors. And she was like, all right, cool. <laughs> she was like, let's do it, right? There was never any doubt. Um, and so, like, first of all, it's a big credit to her because, like, she had faith in me and believed in me when she had absolutely no reason to, right? And um, it was 
because of her that we ended up buying our first property. Um, and so, yeah, man, that's what that's what led me to, to finding real estate. Mm-hmm. And I'd say between that moment, that panic attack, and when I bought my first house was 90 days. And, like, to put that in perspective for people, like, I made a decision I wanted to buy real estate at 3 in the morning, but, like, I wasn't prepared. prepared. Mm-hmm. I only had $1,000 in my savings account. That's it. I'll give, it, I'll give anybody $20 right now if they could tell me why I had $1,000 in my savings account. Just so that you could have a thousand, like something to say? Why $1,000? Probably because you just got married? Dave Ramsey. Everybody took Dave Ramsey? What's his, oh, what's his baby step one? Yeah, you got to have a thousand dollar emergency fund. Yeah, you got to have an emergency fund. Yeah, that, 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 that was the only step I made it to. That was the only step I I didn't get there. So I had I a thousand dollars in the savings account, and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to buy a thousand dollars in bad credit, and I decided I was going to be a real estate investor. Hmm. Right? A thousand dollars in bad credit, and a bank had told me I couldn't even be on the loan for the house I was living in. But you go and I was going to be a real estate investor, right? And I repeat that because I want people to understand, like, there's so much power in decision, mm-hmm. right? There's so much power in just deciding you're going to do something, right? Truly deciding in your, in your mind, and mm. your heart that you're going to do it because um, we can do so much more than we give ourselves credit for. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's just like if you think you can't do something, it just means you don't know enough to be able to do it, not that you can't. Right. And so I just, like I said, once I saw this kid figured it out, I was going to do it. And so I, I, uh, <laughs> uh, I went to every real estate investment meetup I could. Because again, I didn't know how to do it, but I knew people were doing it. And once I found that bigger pockets, and I was like, well, there's got to be people around here doing it. And so I just literally Googled real estate meetups and I got in the room with every, every real estate investment meetup I could go to. I don't care if they were meeting once a week, once a month, three times a week. I, I went to every meetup because I was like, I just got to see who's doing it so I can figure spot. out how to do it, right? Surround myself with people who are doing it. And from there, that's how I found my first deal, man. Like, literally, I found my first deal because I told people I was an investor mm-hmm. because I decided. Mm-hmm. So when people ask me what I do, I'm a real estate I'm investor. I'm a real estate investor. I had bad credit and a thousand dollars in my savings. They account. don't even know all that. But they don't need to know. All that. <laughs> I was a real estate investor, and that's mm-hmm. what I told people. And so, and then I went to all the meetups, right? And so people saw me as a real estate investor, even though I had never bought anything or didn't know how to buy anything, right? I positioned myself to be prepared for opportunity when it came, mm-hmm. and I didn't let myself, I didn't talk myself out of wealth. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think we do that, like people do that naturally. Like we talk ourselves out of wealth or we talk ourselves out of, you know, the solution to the problem we're looking for because we don't know enough or because deep down we don't believe we're worthy of the thing that we're pursuing. And so when it gets real, like when it gets close, we talk ourselves out of it because we get scared, right? Either scared of failing, scared of rejection or scared of what actually happens if it comes true. And I think that, um, I just didn't allow myself to fall into those traps uh, because I was so motivated to not be in the same financial position that I was in. And so when I got my first deal, my first lead on my first deal, my buddy uh, called me. He was in a really, really tough spot with a a property he owned. And he said, hey, um, I heard you're buying property now. That's super cool. And I was like, yeah, man. He was like, well, I got to sell my house. I got to sell it in 30 days. 
So he had to go buy some property in partnership with the church he was a part of, mm-hmm. but he had to sell his house in order to go do that. And the mm-hmm. time was up for him to go buy that property. So he was like, I gotta sell this. And he had been letting somebody live in it, just paying the mortgage. And he was like, I don't have time to put him out. I don't have time to deal with anything. I gotta sell it with him in it, in its current condition. And I, I'll sell it to you. He said, I'll sell it to you for 115. I think it's worth like 150. I don't care what it's worth. I just, I just, I just need, need to need sell to it for this price because this is the exact amount of money I need to go do what I got to do. That's a definition of right. Being able to sell. Right. And so he was like, can you buy it? And I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had no idea how to buy it. I didn't know how to buy a house. I didn't know how much money I needed. I didn't. I knew nothing, right? But that's where I tell you the mindset comes in because most people would say, I want to buy it. But I don't know. I, I know I don't got the down payment. My credit's probably not there yet. And I think what happens with people is we make so many decisions for other people, right? Mm. We decide what somebody else is going to tell us that we can or can't do mm-hmm. based on what, what somebody think. told us or what we think or what we heard somebody's aunt said or did, right? Like I hear it all the time with real estate. Like I don't want to buy real estate because tenants will destroy your house. How the heck do you know that? Well, because somebody's cousin owned a house and then the tenants tore it up. That's a one-off situation. Like, but we make all these decisions about what's going to happen based on all we know or all we think we know. Mm-hmm. And we will literally cheat ourselves out of wealth because of it. And so I had just decided, like I said, I was going to be successful. And so instead of me saying, nah, I don't, I can't buy it because I don't have the down payment or I can't buy it because my credit's not right yet or I can't buy it because I don't know how to buy it. I just told him, yeah. He said, as long as we can close in 30 days, I'll sell it to you for this. I said, work. I went back to my computer and I Googled how to buy a house without a real estate agent. (laughs) (laughs) And it said that I needed to, you know, put it under contract. And so I was like, cool. How do I get a real estate contract? (laughs) Right? Like I literally just looked all this stuff up. And I found some real estate contracts and I downloaded them and I changed some names and we signed them. And that's terrible, terrible advice. Don't do that. Right. Like, like make sure you have a real estate attorney look over all that. But I talk about that to let people know that, like, it's the mindset. Like, you just have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Right. And so once I did that, I got the property under contract. So I was like, all right, well, now I got to go figure out how to buy it. And so I literally just was like, all right, well, who has money? Banks have money. So I'll go talk to a bank. Maybe they'll give me some Maybe money. Maybe they'll give me some money, right? And so I took the, literally, I took the contract to the bank across the street from my work because where else would I go, right? right. Like, and I walked in there and I said, I want to buy this house. Is there somebody here that can help me? And they came and they looked at the contract and they were like, hey, man, that's a, that's a really good deal. And I was like, yeah, it is. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Can you give me the money? (laughs) And they were like, yeah, man, we'll give you a loan for it. We'll loan you 85%. You just got to bring a 15% down payment. He was like, you got, you got the 15% down, right? It's about 20 grand. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I got that. I got that. Yeah, no problem. 
I had I had a thousand dollars in bad credit. In bad bad credit. credit, right? So my credit had gotten a little better. I started fixing it, right? Okay. And so, and so I was like, all right, well, I need nineteen grand in, in thirty days. And so again, most people will say, well, ain't no way I can get to nineteen grand in thirty days to oh, buy this house, right? I'm I'm in this situation because I need to make more money. If I had nineteen grand, right, I wouldn't be doing this, right? That's what most people think. Mm-hmm. And I said, I just need to find nineteen grand. But I remember I told y'all I had surrounded myself with other people doing this, mm-hmm. right? And I went to every single meetup. And I think that when people get started doing something, right, they show up maybe to the first meeting, and then they show up to the second meeting, and then life happens, and they don't want to go to another meeting. They just got off work, and their kids this, and their dog that, right? And so, like, the consistency falls off. Mm. And when the consistency falls off, not only do you miss out on the lack of, the, you know, you don't get the information for not being in the room, but that's not what's most important. What's most important is the relationships that you're building and the reputation that you're building for yourself by consistently being in the room. When you're in the room every single time there's a meetup, the people that are there that are doing you. deals, they see they you. you. They associate you with success, even if you've never done anything, mm-hmm. because you're always in the room. Right. And they see like people genuinely want to help people who want to help who want to help themselves. And so if you're in the room consistently and the movers and the shakers keep seeing you in the room, then when they have extra deals, they want to call you. You're there. You want to get deals done. They want to help you. Right. And so, like, if you're not consistently in the room, you're not just cheating yourself out of the information, but you're cheating yourself out of the relationships. And we all know that almost every business is a relationship business, right? So because I was consistently in the room, I had resources of people who I could go to and say, hey, I finally got one. How the heck are y'all coming up with this money? That's literally what I did. And one of my buddies, who is now a business partner of mine, uh, literally sat there on the phone with me, helped me brainstorm. He was like, Here's all the ways I know you can get access to money, right? And we were just going through. He was like, you could, you could, you could, you, could, uh, you know, take a loan out on this. And I was like, no, nah, that won't work. You could do that. And he was like, well, you can, you can borrow against your 401k. And I was like, what's that look like? <laughs> he was like, yeah, no, I heard you can borrow against your 401k. And then your employer will just take the money out of your check. And I think they take it out pre-tax. So it even reduces your taxable income. And you've got to pay it back with interest, but it's your money. So, you so the interest is yours too. And he was like, so if you buy a rental property with it and that rental property cash flows, then technically your tenant's paying back the loan you borrowed to you with interest Interest. to you. And I was like, well, that sounds like a cheat code. I was like, well, I'll do that. Now I just got to find a 401k. I didn't have one of those either, right? But I told you. You didn't have a 401k. No, man, I was done with money. But I told you that I wouldn't be in this position without my wife. Mm -hmm. She had a 401k. And so I went to her and I said, hey, remember when I said we were going to be real estate investors? <laughs> well, we need to borrow $19,000 from your 401k so we can buy this property. And she said yes without hesitation. Damn. And so we borrowed the money from her 401k. We bought the house. We kept the same tenant in it. We raised the rent to market rents. And it started to cash flow immediately. And so you're talking about 90 days before that, I had a panic attack because I didn't know how I was going to be able to provide my family with the life that I felt like they deserved. To now, I own an asset that I used Monopoly money, essentially, to buy. 
that's now paying me every month money in my pocket, paying back the loan I used to buy the property. And then the bank called me and said, hey, that was a great deal. You have 60 grand in equity in that property. We'd love to loan you 80 percent of that uh, so that you can go bring us more of those deals. No, you was like, what? And I said, that's exactly what I said. I said 90 days ago, I was having a panic attack, and now you're telling me I got 30 grand that I can go buy another house with? Even better, yeah, y'all told me I'm the one I, fucking up the loan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And so, like, I know that's a really long story, but I want people to understand, like, it wasn't nothing but mindset and decision. And then positioning yourself. Like so many people want all the steps. They want to know what's the A to B to C. How do I go find the properties? Who's going to renovate them? Like none of that shit mattered. I just had to make a decision that I was going to do it no matter what. And there was going to be no no's. Right? Hmm. And most people, I'm telling you, I bet you most of your listeners have been this close to doing their first real estate deal. And they told themselves no because they just didn't know they could. Right. They told themselves no, because, well, I don't know. I don't have the down payment. So how am I going to buy the house? You know, they said, well, I don't have good credit. I, my debt. I hear it all the time. Well, I, I want to buy a property, but my debt to income is not where it needs to be yet. What do you know? Did you did a bank tell you that? Most of the time, it's just some, it's just in their head. Mm -hmm. Like they just well, I, you know, I bought a couple of cars and I got this house. And so my debt to income is not good yet. And I know I need good debt. to. There's, that's maybe for some loan products. There's a bajillion loan products out there. Like, quit making decisions for other people. Like, if you want to be a real estate investor, if you want to buy property, you can go buy property. The way I buy it may not be the way you buy it because your financial situation is different than my financial situation. But there's so many ways to get in the real estate game. You just need to decide you're going to do it and then do your homework until you figure out the path that works for you. Hmm. You can buy property. You can do this. You can do it with bad credit. You can do it with good credit. You can do it with no money. You can do it with tons of money. Like, it, there's a bajillion ways. You can, you can do it passively. You can do it actively. Like, you just have to decide you're going to do it and then surround yourself with the right people and the right information until you figure out which path works for you. And then you go do it. Damn. It's really that simple. So it's, it's a lot I want to get into yeah. in that. I think one of the biggest and most important things was, though, you selected the right partner. Yes, that's a fact. I think that that's is so monumental to your story because yeah. even like you said, even whenever you felt like she shouldn't have trusted you. That's right. She did. She even whenever you felt like, yo, I don't got it all together. And you came to her and said, look, we need 19,000 from your 401k. She said it without a hesitation. Yeah. It's your, she believed in in you and I think that's big for all men because sometimes men select the wrong partners and they put them down and they don't allow them to really be the man and lead yep. like they need to be so I think that's one of the biggest parts that I wanted to pull from that yep. then the second thing I want to ask you is you know you googled in the middle of the night I'm pretty sure you came up with more than just real estate yeah what was it about real estate that stuck out to you that said I'm gonna choose this as my vehicle to build wealth yeah um so a lot of things I think um I, I always enjoyed like growing up just going to open houses and looking mm -hmm. at houses and so even though, you know, even though I knew, you know, at that time, a kid, I wasn't going to be able to afford none of that. But just it was always interested in real estate itself, 
not necessarily understanding that it could help me build wealth. And so I think there was some intrigue from that. Uh, I think a lot of it too was HGTV glamorizing what like the amounts of money that you could make, mm-hmm. right? And so there was some intrigue from that. And then, um, you know, as I started reading through some of the other options, you know, which was stock market, which seemed like just insurmountable to me, like the amount of knowledge that I would have to have. Like I understood enough about what real estate was that it didn't feel so um, overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of the other options just seemed like it would take too long to get there. It was too, it, it, the money was too small, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can flip furniture and shoes and couch, <clears throat> like all that stuff, right? It's just, it seemed like it would take too long. I needed something bigger than that. And so real estate just seemed to fit like what I thought would get me to my goals the fastest. Uh, and it, it held true to that. It, it got me there a whole lot faster than I expected. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. Now I, I want to kind of move forward with this song. So 90 days from having a panic attack, panic attack, you had your first rental cash flow rental property. The bank calls you to get this loan. What's the next move after that? Yeah, man. So um, when you when you get into the nitty gritty, right, like real estate, if you're going to invest in real estate, there's two problems you got to solve, mm-hmm. right? If you want to be successful, grow and scale, you have to solve deal flow, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you need, as a real estate investor, you make your money when you buy a property, you got to buy something under market value, mm-hmm. add value to it by fixing it up and then make money by selling it or renting it, right? Long-term, short-term rental doesn't matter, right? Like, so that's essential to your business. And so that means you need deal flow cause you need a, stream of deals that you can buy under market value, which again, seems hard to do, especially in the market that we're in now. It's changing a little bit right now, but it's still, you know, demand is still higher than supply. Mm. And so deal flow and money flow, right? You gotta be able to pay for those deals that you're getting from your deal flow. If you can solve the problem of always being able to find good deals and then always being able to pay for those good deals, and you can scale your business as quickly or as slowly as you want. It's up to you, right? Those are the those are the things that are typically standing in your way. And so what I learned from going to these investment meetups was that no matter who was in the room, no matter how many deals they'd done or not done, everybody said, I want to buy deals. It's hard to find deals. I want to buy deals. It's hard to find deals. And so my business mind was in like, all right, well, that's the problem I need to solve. If I can find the deals, I can keep the ones that I want. Mm-hmm. And I've got a room full of people who will buy the ones that I don't want because they will struggle to find deals. And so I said, that's what I need to get good at from an early stage. Right. And then that proof of concept happened when I got that first deal because it was such a good deal mm-hmm. that the bank was even like, yeah. hey, bring us some more of these to finance. We'll mm-hmm. give you the money. And so I was like, well, there's my money problem solved. Right. Mm-hmm. Finding the good deal was going to help me solve both those problems. And so I said, all right, well, I need to get really, really, really good at finding good deals. Who in this real estate industry are the masters at finding good deals? And it's wholesalers. Wholesalers Wholesalers are the masters of finding good deals. And I said, okay, well, I will set up my business as like a wholesaler sets up their business, except I'll just buy them all. Right? I'll just buy them all because I, I have a bank who said they will help me get these financed. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did from day one. And being a good uh, deal finder means you have to be really good at marketing. Mm-hmm. 
mm -hmm. right? Because you got to be able to market to people to find off-market deals. And so when I started my business, when I started down this path, the next step for me was to take the money that they gave me, not just to buy for another deal, but to put it towards marketing to find mm -hmm. more deals. Um, because marketing for off-market deals costs money mm -hmm. or it costs time. You're going to pay one or the other or it costs time and money, yeah. right? And when I say it costs time is that people will say, well, I don't want to spend $5,000 a month on marketing, so I'll, I'll do drive it myself. I'll drive for dollars. I'll, I'll look on, you know, Marketplace and Craigslist until I find a deal. But most people don't have the discipline to do it consistently enough mm -hmm. to they generate a good enough, enough deal flow that they're either going to make a good amount of money or that they're going to make money in a reasonable amount of time, right? Um, so you have to be like, I, I tell my students, you got to be relentlessly consistent in your pursuit of off-market deals. And if you can't be, if you don't have the time to be relentlessly consistent, then you need to put money towards being consistent for you. And you don't have to just borrow money to buy property. You can borrow money to market for property that then you can go buy. And so I leveraged that line of credit and credit cards, no interest credit cards, to pay for marketing consistently until it produced the deal flow that I needed to make me money. And so that was like how the business actually became a business because I poured money into the marketing to bring me the leads and then I leveraged those small banks to finance those deals. Mm. And then I leveraged those lines of credit that they gave me to pay those down payments. And so I was buying deals, no money out of my pocket. You just touched on something mm. major. You said small banks. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the bank that you went to, it wasn't J.P. Morgan. Chase. No, it no, wasn't it wasn't Bank of America. Yeah. Yeah, no, it wasn't, it wasn't, none, it wasn't none of those banks. It was a small local community bank, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, that wasn't, like, some intuition on my part. It was just the bank that was closest to my work, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. right? I but I learned something by break. using them, right? Mm -hmm. I learned something by using them because they called me and mm -hmm. said, bring me more of those deals. We want to finance them. If you do... Here's a line of credit you can use for the down payments. So you won't be any money out of pocket. And I was like, mm. all right, well, why are they saying that? Right. And that's what made me start to do the homework. Small local banks aren't like the big banks. The big yeah. banks make money on 30 year fixed rate mortgages that they first time home buyers and then they sell those mortgages off. Right. And they make their money selling those mortgages. Well, the small banks don't do enough volume for that to keep them in, in business. And so they've got a loan to local businesses, right? And they're making money on those interest payments. Mm -hmm. But when they're loaning to local businesses, we all know most businesses fail within three the first five, three yeah, to five yeah. years, right? And so those are risky loans. But I bought them a, brought them a house that I bought at 115 that, that was, was worth 150. So they said, all right, Even if Henry and his okay credit <laughs> defaults on this loan, we get control of an asset that had 60K in equity. So even if we sell that bank owned for like 120, 130. We still made money. We made way more money than the little 5% interest payments he's paying us on that, on that loan. So that's, that's a, they were like, yeah, Henry, with your marginal credit, we will gladly finance this deal. I hope you do default on this loan. Right. Right. Run me there. Right. right. And so they were like, yeah. And then, well, here's some money. Go do some more. Go find some more of those. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's what gave me the proof of concept. A, to know that, like, I got the money problem solved, but that good deals are the key to success. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, 
and and, and they are hard to find, but it's just hard in terms of you got to spend money and time. And the money really takes care of the time problem for you because there's so many there's so many services that'll do the hard work for you. It's just going to cost you the money. You don't have to use your money to do the marketing either. And I think that's what gets lost about with real estate. People think, well, I know I don't have to use my money to buy a deal, but how do I find these deals? Well, the same thing. Go go borrow the money to go put towards your marketing to find the deal. But the, that's why it all starts with mindset because mm-hmm. you have to decide you're going to do it at the volume it takes to be successful, especially if you're going to borrow money to do it. Because the last mm-hmm. thing you want to do is borrow five to 10 grand to market and then don't do enough marketing. Yeah, yeah. That money goes out the window and then you're in the hole five to 10 grand. You got to know it's going to work or it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love and that, that actually, that leads me to my, uh, my question, just kind of what happened like after that, right? So yeah. we got we got the zero to ninety, right? Yeah. We done got up to this point, you know, bought a house. Yeah. Uh, this house is cash flowing. Yeah. And they give you these lines of credit. You go out, you start marketing. Yeah. We know the answer is deals, but it's like, okay, yeah. so where do we go from there? Are you still yeah. working your job? Yeah, yeah. I I, I just left my job a year ago. Oh, yeah. okay. I stayed with my job as long as I possibly could. Okay. See, I didn't realize yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, man, I started marketing for deals. Um, out of my first marketing campaign. Um, we ended up with three deals. Mm. Um, I did end up assigning two of those deals to my business partner at the time. And then, uh, one of them we flipped. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that all of that generated more capital, mm-hmm. which again, paid back the loans for the marketing, but allowed me to now have this nest egg where I could really crank up Ramp the marketing. Up. And so, um, those two deals that I wholesale, I wholesale to the same guy who gave me the advice on the, the on the four hundred one k. He bought those two deals, and then he was like, "Hey man, Bring me I don't want to keep paying you for deals. We should just partner up." And so once we partnered up, we put our money together and we really cranked the marketing up. And so I went from uh, I remember when I when I first wrote down my goals, it was to buy a house a year for five to ten years and supplement my retirement, give me a little extra cash flow mm-hmm. so that I could take care of my family. And after I got that line of credit on that first house and saw how powerful real estate was, I was like, oh, no, no, no. We got to do Yeah, <laughs> we, go over five, we did five deals in our first month. Damn. And then I partnered with this guy, and we Sheesh. did so we did 30, 30 deals in the first year and a half. Here, 30, wait, wait, 30 wait, doors. Wait, I had 30 wait, doors in the first year. Sir, sir, yeah. sir. We got to rewind. This is why I said <laughs> we got to rewind. Big step up. <laughs> Put a pin in it. Hold on. Got to rewind. Wait one goddamn second. Yeah. So in your first year, you went from panic attack, panic attack yeah. to 30 doors yeah. with a partner. Yeah. How many doors we had in 2022? 70-ish. Come on, man. I'll chill. So, I bet that credit ain't a problem no more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that because yeah. that was one of the things I wanted to get into. Yeah. So for the first deal, whenever you say marginal credit, do you mind putting, what was the numbers looking like? Yeah, so when I first, when I got the call from the bank, I was in high fives, low sixes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so it was, that's, it wasn't that's good. That was type yeah. shit. Right. Yeah. High five, low sixes. So that's why I had the trouble be, being on a loan. And then um, once I decided I was going to be a real estate investor, I knew, like, I knew obviously I didn't have the money. Mm -hmm. And so that meant I was going to have to go to somebody who did. And then that meant that they were probably going to run my credit. And so I knew, all right, step one is 
a fixed name credit, credit, right? And so uh, I got a real big credit hack, real big credit hack for people. Get your pens and papers out, all right? Hey, hey, so, you better listen to that now. I'm so when you want to get your credit right, here's what you do. You pull your credit report, and then you look on there, and you see uh, what you owe, and then you pay some shit off. That'll fix your credit. <laughs> Simplicity. <laughs> Hey, some shit. But that's you know, it's funny because people really don't think that's the answer. They're right. Like, no, I'm gonna go it's gotta be some gonna, yeah, they're gonna take my school it's gotta be some finesse to it. Really yeah. And don't get me wrong, like I disputed some shit too. Like I did all that stuff too. But the thing that really fixed my credit was I had to bite the bullet and pay for some stuff, right? Because it was standing in the way of, you. of me getting to my my goals and my dreams. Right. And at the end of the day, I think a lot of us too. like, don't get me wrong. I think some people have some some insurmountable credit issues sometimes. And it's going to take some time to fix that. And that might not be the best option for people. But for me, like a lot of us, we got some shit that's like a thousand dollars here, four hundred dollars there, three hundred dollars there. And we just don't want to pay it. Yeah, you're like, man, I, I don't yeah. feel like I don't owe them people right. that. Right. That's, I was exactly the same way. I had some stuff from when I lived in an apartment. They wanted me to pay for some carpet. I didn't think I should have had to pay for it. And I let mm-hmm. that stuff get on my credit report because I was, I was in the right, mm-hmm. right? Like, I had some pride behind it. And I just, I was like, I just paid some stuff, man. And it helped me get my credit good enough to get that first loan, right? And had I not done that, I never would have been able to buy my property. So, mm-hmm. like, pay some stuff off. Right. Some of us are in a position where we can do that. We just don't want to. And, you know, that's something that I actually like I was listening to and I was kind of like listening for even in your story. Right. So it's like especially when you like you listen, like we we mentioned bigger pockets. Right. And we we talk to a lot of people on on the podcast. So it's like you start to notice trends. Right. Right. So it's like I'm tracking and it's like, all right, this man makes six figures. All right, probably he has some type of spending issues or something. Yeah, Maybe he like Jay's yeah. too much or yeah. something. I don't know. Whatever yeah. it ain't my business, right? Yeah. But then it's like I'm expecting you to be like, oh, I pulled this ten thousand out of my savings, and it's like, no, nah, I only had a band. Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, I had this great credit. Well, damn, nah, that was bad too. Yeah. All right. Well, I put it on my four hundred one k. Well, shit, that was bad too. Like, right, right. <laughs> once you get to seeing all of that, that's why I said that earlier about the simplicity with it. It's it's really dope to see that like you just. Okay, cool. I'm gonna make these simple steps one by one. Yes, figure sir. it out, and then I'm not gonna try to figure out any. I'm not gonna become a credit expert to fix my credit. I know that's a thing that's in the way of me getting to my real estate. Yeah. So let me just fucking pay it. Right. Like just fix it. <laughs> right. Bite the bullet. Right. Take whatever sacrifices I gotta do. Get that out the way, and then just keep moving towards yeah. the goal. Yep. Very simple. I appreciate that. <laughs> now I kind of want to add. So like. When it came to paying this stuff off, right? Yep. Were there sacrifices that had to be made on yeah, your end? Absolutely. Let's Ooh, talk about I, the yeah, sacrifices. And with yeah. the sacrifices, can you tell us how were you fucking off your money? Because that was another question oh, sure. I had. Yeah. No. Uh, in my mind, like in all of it, like we all have these numbers in our mind of like mm-hmm. success, right? Mm-hmm. It used to be you hit six figures a year. That was hey. made it, yeah. right? <laughs> I wanted yeah. to. I wanted to look like I made it. Right, I had a really That's nice fair. car, like a really nice. Which car. was driving, right? And so it don't it don't sound nice, but I've, I'm a car guy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I just love fast cars, and so I bought a Mustang and I tricked that joint out. Which package you had? I had well, well, I had the, I had the, I had the premium man okay. performance package okay. Mustang, but then I had a body kit on and it and a supercharger and I had wheels, carbon fiber wheels. I like this thing was a show car in SEMA for two years, which is the biggest car show. On Damn. the planet in Las Vegas, so like, 
it was a thing, Damn. right? And I spent a lot of money that I didn't have to spend on that car, in that car up, right? Um, did you sell a baby? depreciating asset? A d- uh, yeah, did you sell yeah. baby? I, I sold it. I sold it, but I, I sold it, but I, I actually made money when I sold it because I put go. so much money into it. But that wasn't the plan. <laughs> like, like I didn't do it because I thought that would happen. Like right. I just, it just happened that way. Like, um, so yeah, I tricked a lot of it off on a car, and then like, I mean, it was, I never cooked. I just, I, I you, know, you know, I drove and ate most of my money. <laughs> right, right. But that's yeah. weird though. Like yeah. a lot of people don't realize they do that. Like yeah. I, I look at my statements and I'm just like, man, I'm a fairly responsible person fuck right. I, all i did this month was doordash yeah and i fucked around and yeah. you know drove too much between right. gas and that yeah, you know I fucked up my, my check yeah that's <laughs> it i drove and ate most of my money you know trying to trying to you know that car was fun to drive and but it, it didn't make me no money don't like, let you throw a few outings in there oh man yeah. <laughs> yeah man that right and so yeah man I, I bad spending habits but when it became time to figure out how to fix the problem, I had the motivation that helped me stick with the discipline that I needed to have. And right, yeah, I had to make sacrifices when I paid some of that stuff off. There was there was less eating out when I had to go, you know, I had to come up with a, you know, thousand dollars to pay something off. Right. When I was, you know, all I had in my savings account was a thousand. I was living paycheck to paycheck. So yeah, that means we was eating out less and going out less and that was okay. That was okay. Amen. In the famous words of Brother Drake, pasta and sauce, fam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. You're not going to get to wealth without a sacrifice on some level. And I think the word sacrifice scares people because mm-hmm. it, it makes you feel like I'm not going to get something I feel like I deserve for all the hard work that I'm doing. Right, because I have to not have that because I got to take all that hard work and what that hard work produces and tuck it away. And it scares people. And what I learned through the sacrifices that I made on my real estate investment journey is that nine times out of 10, that sacrifice didn't feel nearly as bad as I thought it was going to feel. And it didn't change my life nearly as much as I thought it was going to change my life. And it felt really good. Once you got that reward. Once I saw that, like, that money start to stack up. Like it didn't really feel like a sacrifice. Mm. One of the, one of the you, you, you asked what's next. Yeah, we started the deal flow. Yeah, we did a couple of assignments and then we, uh, we flipped the house and all that created income, but we also changed how we lived. And so we had bought that house, remember? And we bought it traditionally. And I said, well, now we're in this real estate game and we are changing the way we look at property, right? We're generating all these leads Maybe we need to change the way we look at the property that we live in, too. And so I talked to my wife, and I said, look, the goal is for us to be able to afford that dream home that we were talking about when I had the panic attack. And I said, if we want to get to that dream home, we can keep working and getting raises and then selling our house and then buying the next one up and then sell that house and get a raise and buy the next one up. And I said, we can probably get there in five to seven years. So, or we can leverage the skill set we have now in finding undervalued properties and go find a multifamily, a duplex. We can live in one unit and we can rent the other unit and the rent from the other unit can pay for most of our mortgage. So we eliminate our mortgage expense. Um, and then if we save that money for 12 to 24 months, we'll have enough money for our down payment in our dream home. 
we'll put the down payment down, we'll move out of the unit we're living in, and then that cash flow will then pay for half our mortgage at our dream home. And I said, I think we can get, I think I can get us to our dream home in two years if we do that. And she was like, all right. (laughs) So we sold the house that we were living in. Uh, At that time, rents weren't high enough to cover what we would have paid to then keep it as a rental. And so we had a little bit of equity in it. We sold it. We took that cash. We used that as a down payment for the duplex. We moved into a duplex and we lived there for two years. And I saved up enough money from living there to be able to afford the down payment on the house we're in now. And we ran that play. We ran out that second unit and that unit pays for most of our mortgage at our dream house. And so just being able to think differently about like how we live has helped us be able to build wealth. Because if you take that one move, if I never bought another property, I still get to live in my dream house, only owning one duplex, right? And that's just how powerful real estate is. Like, yeah, I got 70 units, but none of that has anything to do with the house that I live in now. That was just one, one house hack that got me there. Damn, Sheesh. that's crazy. That's possible. Once you really quantify it like that, like yeah. one, one good deal away, Yeah. and then now yeah. I'm in my dream crib. One good deal away from changing your life. Damn. So. I got I got another question. What keeps you going, Henry? I see you at the closing table basically like every freaking week. Like <laughs> yeah. what what is that driving factor that just makes you constantly find these deals? Yeah, man. Um I feel like I feel like I have a responsibility to to do the absolute most and best I can with the skills and the knowledge that I've gained because my capacity to help and give has grown with the wealth that I've built. And just being able to give but also help others is like, so I tell people like this investing in real estate is like, my way of like closing the wealth gap for black folks because I once I bought that first deal and like I told you like the bank called me and said hey here's 30 grand to go do it again like that was so mind-blowing for me and like like almost brought me to tears Cause like 90 days before that, I didn't know how I was going to provide. And now not only did I have a way to provide, but like I immediately knew my goals were too small. I immediately knew that not only did I find a way to provide the life for my family that I wanted, but I found a way to build wealth for like my kids and my kids' kids. And like, this wasn't just a tool to help me re- to help supplement my retirement. It was a tool that was going to retire me sooner than later. And so like I became overwhelmed with this feeling of like, I've got to share this like 90 days ago I was freaking out and now I know like I have a way to build wealth like that's so powerful that like I knew I had to share it so what keeps me going is like I want to create other investors who are good people because when you create investors who are good people, they take what they're making and they use it to give and they use it to improve their communities and use it to help people. And the more people I can create that are wealth builders that are taking care of people, like it just creates this ripple effect of us taking care of our communities, us taking care of the people in our communities, us helping each other generate wealth. 
And so um, I just I just know that I've got more to share. I haven't even scratched the surface yet. Mm, I love that. That's I love right. that. So I got another question. I have a question okay. as well. My question is, I see you, like Jalen mentioned, you had the closing table very often, like yeah. pretty much weekly. Yeah. Uh, and you've helped people that we know, Andre Haynes, shout out to Andre Haynes, yeah. multiple time guests on the show. Yep. Um, you've helped them get into flipping properties. Yep. What makes a good flip? Like, what, how do you know a property is good for a flip versus a buy and hold? Yeah. Um, man, it, it's really a personal strategy, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, again, I've solved the problem of deal flow. I know I'm going to get good deals consistently. I know I've got the money aside that I'm going to be able to buy those deals with. And so I'm looking at deals from the perspective of, like, if I want a rental, I want it to cash flow well. The best cash flowing real estate is multifamily because you can get multiple rents under one roof, right? That means keeps your maintenance a little lower, right? Because you're still under one roof, but for multiple units. And so I typically keep multis and flip the singles because I've solved the deal flow problem. Now, for somebody who hasn't solved the deal flow problem, I don't think you need to look at it like, is this deal a flip or a rental? You just need to look at it from the perspective of, is this deal a good deal? Because mm -hmm. if it's a good deal, you buy it. And then you monetize that deal based on what your financial situation calls for you to be able to, to do, right? Some people get a deal and they need money. They need money now, right? They call it cash now, cash later, right? They need cash now, right? Because they don't have cash reserves built up and they wanna build up cash reserves so that they can increase their deal flow, right? And put that money towards marketing. Then you should probably flip that house, right? So that you can create the income that you need in order to go and increase your deal flow to hit your goals. Some people don't need cash now. They've got cash to buy a house. They just need to get the deals coming in so that they can start acquiring the rentals, right? Mm -hmm. And so if they've got the cash now already, then if it's a good deal, you keep the rental. You keep it as a rental. So you do what your, you do what your financial situation calls for. I don't think, like, I don't like to pigeonhole my students into, like, one exit strategy. Mm -hmm. I like to pigeonhole them into... What up? This is Torrey, host of the Hard to Earn podcast. And if you're a fan of music reviews, then be sure to check out and subscribe to Hard to Earn where my partner Bonesu Thompson and I review your favorite new albums and classic albums on pivotal anniversaries, you know, 10, 15, 20, etc. We review track by track, rating from 1 to that elusive perfect 10. It's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators. One acquisition strategy mm. which is find good deals consistently if you can find good deals you can monetize them however you want so i have a question just as far as like because we've mentioned and we keep phrasing good deals right yeah is our or well our good deals only is just below market value i yeah. found it it's worth or it's, yeah. it's worth 100 they say they'll give it to me for 50 does is that all that matters or what else i guess consists of what you can like consider a good deal nah, that's a phenomenal question yeah, man. So uh, when we say good deals, we're typically talking like some percentage under market value, right? Mm -hmm. That means the deal is good because there's room for you to make money, 
right? And so when you think of a good deal, it, it, it typically depends on your strategy. Some people see a good deal, like I know a guy, people who only do Airbnb sometimes can find a good deal on the market at retail price because they know the value they can add to it by turning it into an Airbnb. And so a good deal doesn't always have to mean under market value. It depends on your strategy, but most strategies are gonna require you to buy it under market value so that you can then add the value. It's just like any investment strategy, right? If you're gonna buy stocks in the stock market, right? You don't wanna go buy at the top of the market, right? There's no value in that stock, right? You wanna buy good companies that are on sale, right? Um, and so you're buying them typically under value in hopes that that value rises. It's the same thing with real estate. So yeah, but to put some numbers to it, like if you want a good deal, you should be looking at buying something at at uh, 70 cents on the dollar, okay. 70 cents on the dollar minus repairs. And so just, you know, general rule of thumb is if, if something is worth, and I know these aren't realistic numbers, it's just for math's sake, right? So if something is worth after it's all fixed up $100,000, you don't want to pay more than 70 for it, okay. right? And if that same property needs $10,000 worth of work for it to be fixed up, then you can't pay more than 60 for it. Okay. General rule of thumb, they call that the 70% rule. That's where you should know if you have a good deal or not. Now, again, that's going to vary from market to market. In some markets, 70% is plenty. In some markets, it's not enough. So, Henry, yeah, you, you mentioned something that made me think. What? How do you identify a good market to buy in, right? Like, you know, <laughs> buyer's market versus a seller's market. How, how do you know where is a good place to get some profit? Especially right now. Yeah. Because <laughs> we, we living in the seller's market right now. Like, people yeah. paying 20, 30 over. Are you even thinking about that type of market? Are you talk? Are you were you thinking location as well? I was, I was thinking, thinking location. location. Okay, I was thinking location. Are you talking financially? Oh yeah, and I'm talking like location wise. Okay, like yeah. Right now, I know in certain locations, people like Dallas, for instance. Yeah. People, it's normal for people to pay twenty or thirty over. Yeah, yeah, but you're talking the retail market, right? Mm -hmm. And so, as an investor, you're typically not going to buy on the retail market. Mm -hmm. because it's too hard to make the numbers work yeah. when you're paying retail. Um, so, especially in a market like now where it's a, where it's a seller's market. Um, so, as an investor, um, what you want to do is you want to look in markets where you feel like you can get the return on investment you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So, A, you've got to be able to find deals in that market and then B, get the return on that market that you're looking for. And so if I, I don't invest out of state, so let me let me caveat that, like my market is a phenomenal market and so I don't have a reason to invest out of state. But if I were to invest out of state, what I would be looking for is a place where entry prices are reasonable, right? And reasonable is relative, right? It depends on who you are. Like if you're in California, a Dallas house is reasonable, right? right. right? If you're in Dallas, then, then an Arkansas house is reasonable, reasonable, right? Right, and so it's it's relative, right? And so you want to you want to look where the entry prices are reasonable. Preferably, you want to look where you can get a reasonable entry price. Maybe you can get something on the market that actually cash flows, um, so that you don't have to become some off market deal finding expert to buy a property in that market, um, but also has the economic factors that would make you feel confident that you should spend money there, right? And so when I look at economic factors, I'm looking at um, population growth, right? I want a place where people are going to, not running from, right? And then um, job growth, and then um, 
the industries that those jobs are in. So I don't just want jobs, but I want jobs in industries that are um, either growing or are recession proof. And so I'm looking for things like healthcare. It's a phenomenal industry, right? It's, we're always gonna need it. It's not going anywhere, right? I'm looking for technology. The, the world is just becoming more and more technically savvy. Um, I'm looking for, so if you're, if you're, if you're going to invest in a place, for example, that is, uh, you know, maybe has, you know, flat population growth, or maybe it's declined by a couple of percentage points and the main industry there is, you know, something industrial, that's probably not a place I would look for because it's, that's an older industry. Technology's changing that industry. So more more technology in that industry means less jobs for people. And so um, I would stay away from something like that. But if you look at something like, um, you know, biotech or um, biotech or, uh, or the federal government, like federal government jobs, those are always great too. They're not going anywhere, right? And so I live a market like Cleveland, right? Not very sexy, but you can find something on the market that cash flows. The median home price is very affordable. The rents are high because they're such good jobs. There's a Federal Reserve Bank. There's huge healthcare. The Cleveland Clinic's there, right? Huge healthcare. There's tons of schools, right? Schools are great. A lot of Fortune great, 500 companies. Lots of Fortune 500 too. companies, right? Population growth has gone up um, over the past several years. And so, like, those are markets that I would be looking for. Those are the kind of indicators I look for in a market. Appreciate that. Yeah. So, you're telling me I don't need to live there. You don't have you don't have to live there. You need to carry your butt over there and go see it though. <laughs> so you got you do need to go visit it though. Yeah, absolutely, right? When you're talking about buying an asset for, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars that's supposed to pay you for the rest of your life, plane ticket costs you a few hundred bucks, a hotel costs you a few hundred bucks more. You telling me you can't go spend a grand to research something that's supposed to pay you for the rest of your life? It's hmm. true. That's a fact. I so, did I had another question just kind of with the market uh, yeah. thing. Do you have any, uh, just, cause I listen to y'all a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do y'all have any, or do you particularly have any type of like um, issues that you go after for off-market deals? So oh, like, I've yeah. heard people that like, I only chase foundation issues. Yeah. Or like I chase all the stuff that people don't want, like roofs or different yeah. stuff like that. So it's like, do you have anything like that that you particularly just like, oh yeah, uh, you got a foundation issue? That's sexy to me. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know what is funny? I love that. I love that question. And the answer is, they all work, mm-hmm. right? So the real estate game has been around for decades and decades, and somebody has found a way to make a lot of money looking for all of the things you just mentioned, mm-hmm. right? The difference between the people who make a lot of money with those niches and the people who don't is the people who do are relentlessly consistent about that niche and right and so yes i will tell you what i like Mm -hmm. but then what i want to tell people is you don't have to do what i like you just have to pick one and go hard at it consistently and it will work for you um and so yeah man some people like foundations are great like if you have like the know-how to understand how to evaluate what it's going to cost you to fix a foundation i suck at that 
I've got to bring people in. And when I thought it was going to cost me the five grand to fix the foundation. It's cost me 50. And when I thought it was going to 50, it's cost me 10. Right. And so, like, <laughs> uh, I, right? And so like, I always have to bring an expert in. And, and so like, I just, now I don't mind buying a house with a bad foundation. Mm-hmm. I just got to buy it with a big cushion so that I know I can afford to fix the problem. And I got to bring an expert in to evaluate it mm-hmm. to make sure that I can be super accurate about what it's going to cost to fix it. Um, here's what I like when I'm looking for off market deals, what I'm marketing for, I have bought the most deals from people who live who their owner occupants i know a lot of people love absentee owners mm-hmm. which is somebody who doesn't live in the property i have bought the most from owner occupants mm-hmm. owner occupants y'all write this down owner occupied they've owned the house for at least 15 years and the house is in their name or a trust no llc's that's so, interesting to me. Why yeah. would they want to get rid of it? They've been there for 15 years. That's, that's the number that keeps Why 15 years? Right. So 15 years is just a way of saying they probably have equity in the property because they've owned it for so long that they've paid so much of the mortgage down. You can't make a good deal if there's no equity and there's no motivation. Those are the two things you need to get a good real estate deal. If there's no equity, then you can't make a deal. If you owe 90 and your house is worth 110, I, I can't I come in there and offer you 70. Right, you're gonna laugh me out of your house, right? But if you owe ten, right, and your house is worth 110, and I offer you 70, right, you walk away with 60 grand, right? Like so, there's enough room to make a deal. So they have to have equity and they have to have motivation. So they have to have a reason to sell to you at a discount, right? If they don't have a reason or a motivated motivation to sell at a discount, they don't need you. They need a real estate agent, right? So you have to. I, I tell people. You're not in, as a real estate investor, you're not in the business of buying homes. You're in the business of buying situations. Mm-hmm. Those situations just typically come with the house. That's fair. Right. So I got my next question. What is your best deal, ROR, ROI-wise, and just personal preference? Oh, man, my best deal. Man. So I bought a, uh, I bought four duplexes. So... Once? At once. Damn. I'll, I'll tell the whole story because there's, there's a lot of lessons in the story. So I was driving for dollars with my business, par- with my business partner when we first got started. And we found uh, uh, like a 12-unit property that looked like the roof was a roller coaster. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and so, no. <laughs> and so I was like, I may be motivated to sell that thing. And so um, we're driving for dollars. And this was before like deal machine and stuff where you could just look up stuff on the spot. So I had to like write down the address and then go back to the house and then look up all the records. And when I looked up the records, I saw on the stamp, the notary stamp, the title company was the same title company and the notary was the same title agent that we had used for a couple of my deals. And so I was like, oh, well, I know her. So I called her and I was like, hey, do you know old so-and-so that owns you know XYZ property? And she was like, oh yeah, he's a buddy of mine. You wanna to talk to him? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Could you set that up? And she was like, yeah, for sure. So she called him, talked to him, and she linked us up. And just like that, from driving for dollars, I was on the phone with a seller. And I said, and he was like, well, I would be interested in selling those. And so we went and we sat down and we had lunch with him. And he took us to the property. We looked at him. We sat down. We had lunch. And we started talking numbers. We just couldn't come to a number that would make sense for him. Mm -hmm. And so um, I did the one thing that you should always do when you talk to a seller after he said we weren't going to work on that deal. Follow up follow up but what what do you what should you always say if you ever think about selling make sure you call me it's close you're almost there 
always ask every seller, well, do you have anything else you'd be interested in selling? Mm. And he said, well, I got something else, but man, they're, they're bad. Worse than the wavy they're, roof? They're, yeah. He was like, <laughs> he was like, they're, they're bad. Like you don't, you don't want those. And we were like, nah, yeah, I, I do. do. <laughs> he was like, no, no, no. He was like, no, these are really bad. You don't want those. And we were like, yeah. And he was like, no, let's, yeah. He was like, all right, well, here. Uh, he told us the address and he told us to go down there. He was like, he was like, they're all, they're all, they're like all but two are vacant. And we were like, okay, cool. We don't need keys. He was like, if you got a drill bit, you can get in. <laughs> he just had Damn. the door like drilled shut. And so we went and we looked at them. Four duplexes. I mean, two or three of them were down to the studs. Like it was raining on the inside of one of them. Oh, like yeah. it was, I mean, it was, it was bad news. Um, and he essentially just gave them to us for what he owed the bank. He said, look, he said, if you, if you can give me five grand over what I owe the bank and I can take that five grand and go have some fun with it, I'm good. He owed the bank 200 grand. Yeah. For four duplexes. For four duplexes. For 205, that was the yeah. price. Yep. Damn. Yeah. Yep. Damn, so we man. bought four duplexes for 205,000. We spent, oh gosh. Raining in there. I need to know. Yeah, These repairs yeah. had to be a little something. <laughs> we spent we spent like 150 grand on okay. the renovation. So this is pre-COVID sure. when it's materials right, were right. way cheaper, right? right? <laughs> and um, and every unit rents for uh, I think 800 is our lowest rent, and like 950 is our highest rent there. Yeah, um, that's nice. So yeah, phenomenal cash flow deal. Uh, all because we drove for dollars. And like, so the moral of the story is, hey, get out and hustle, take some action, right? We drove for dollars, we found something, we didn't just send a mail, we found a connection, we called them, we had lunch, we asked what's, what else do you have, right? It all led to this deal, um, which is still probably my best rental deal uh, so far. Okay, so I got a follow-up question. You yeah. know, you said pre-COVID, so yeah. I had this question on the books too. Were you affected by the 2020 more... Uh, the moratorium, the rent moratorium. Yeah. Were you affected by that, and how did you navigate through it? Yes and no. Um, yes, because everybody was on some level, but not really. And so um, so I bought an apartment complex January 1, 2020. Mm-hmm. And so March happened, and I inherited some tenants, and then they were heavily affected, so they stopped paying. But their rents were so low, like, like they were only paying like $400 a month. And so, like, it wasn't a big deal. I didn't force them to pay anything. Um, uh, and for the rest of my tenants, for the properties that we did have, uh, we sent out an email. I'm sorry. We sent out letters uh, early on that just said, hey, we, we totally get it. Like, this is unprecedented. If you're struggling, if something happens and you need help, let us know and we will work with you. Right? Like, we just wanted to be um, uh, you know, preventative mm-hmm. and let people know that, hey, I understand life's happening. Like, you don't need to not tell us. Like, just tell us what's going on and we will figure something out. And I think just doing that kind of made people, A, feel comfortable talking to us. Because um, I think a lot of landlords were scared to say something because they didn't want their tenants to take that as like, a, oh, I ain't got to pay rent. So, cool, thanks for sending that letter. I'm not paying you no rent. But that's not what most people are good people. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, Sure, there's exceptions here and there, but most people just want to go to work and live in some place 
that they like and that feel like they're taken care of. And so we sent those letters out and the people who struggled, they talked to us and we worked out some payment plans and it was all fine. I don't really think I lost much rent at all. I love to hear that. I'm glad. Yep. Happy for you. Um, y'all got anything else, fellas? Uh, not particularly. I just got my, you know, my uh, last okay, question. So I, I got, I got two more of yeah. my, my question bank. So, which deal gave you the biggest headache? <laughs> yeah, uh, that same apartment complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I bought it January 1, 2020, and then uh, it needed an overhaul. So I made, a, I made a couple big mistakes when I bought that property. The first mistake was I heavily underestimated the amount of work it was going to need to fix it. Part of it was because I was so excited to buy it because it was in such a primo location. Like I was like, I could just see the dollar signs, right, mm-hmm. that I overlooked a lot right um as far as what it was going to take i also was inexperienced i had never bought something that big under one roof before and so uh yeah just made a mistake on underestimating and then that got compounded by the shortages of materials that happened through through covid because that we bought that in january covid happened people stopped working so i couldn't get people out there to work and then the bids that i had gotten pre-covid had gone up three times um, so I remember I had a bid to replace some stairs on that property for 11 grand. When it was all said and done, post COVID, I paid 27 grand to remove those same stairs. Same exact work, um, but the materials were just way more expensive. And then the labor was more expensive because there were less people working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that kicked my butt. And then um, uh, we we it sat empty. So to put some perspective on it, we just rented the first unit in that property two months ago. Really? So I carried the note. All that time. For two Two years. years. I carried the note. And so like, when you look at that deal on paper right now, it's cost me way more money than it's made me. But long term. But it's called long term buy and hold. Long term, this thing is gonna pay me and my family for generations, right? It's, it's, I mean, we were getting 400 a month in rent. We just rented a unit for 1200 in that building. So like, it's, it's a complete turnaround. Um, and so, yeah, man, you gotta, there's, there's a lot of lessons there, but yeah, you need to have some, you know, nest egg and, and some cushion because sometimes you gotta, you gotta bite the bullet, That's carry your property for a while. Hmm. I was just going to say like, I, I really think like in, even going back to what you had said earlier about that same apartment complex, yeah. I really think it's cool that as an investor, you're making sure that you go through with that cushion. Yeah. Because like a lot of people basically, the, the, from what I've heard and kind of observed, the way that it could work is like, I can either go super, super fast and have no cushion, yeah. or I could go kind of a reasonable speed and make sure that I do everything kind of correctly. Yep. And it's like, when you don't see that reasonable speed, that's when you have situations where people are having to kick people out, or yeah. it's basically, uh, fork the mouth for them yeah. as the as the investor yeah. or as the, the the landlord but it's like with the situation that you created you made it to where it was like okay cool I can carry the note or yeah. I can have people that aren't able to pay rent and it's not that big a deal because of the fact that I created that cushion it makes you a better landlord it makes Absolutely. everybody have a better experience that's that's why we talked earlier about your exit strategy you talked about flips versus rentals mm-hmm. and uh, and I said that you know you choose your exit strategy based on your financial situation, right? And so 
yeah, I carried that property for a while, but that's why, like, when I look at a property, if it's a single, I would flip it. That generated the income, right? Because I knew I needed income to pay for some of these expenses on these mm -hmm. properties that I was holding that I'm going to build long-term wealth with. And so, like, my financial situation would help dictate what I need to do or to exit on some of those properties. And so, at the end of the day, if I look back, have I sold some singles I wish I would have kept? Sure. Mm -hmm. Right? But I've been able to still build a portfolio that I know the majority of those that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep and the ones that I sold, I sold for a reason. I didn't just sell them because I wanted money. I sold them because I had other things I needed to take care of. That's right. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so we're coming up on time. So I'll get to my last three rapid questions. Yeah. First, are you frugal or are you a flexer? <laughs> I'm looking um, at your wrist. I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, I did go shopping before I came here. I did go shopping for it. No, nah, man, look. Um, yeah, I mean, I like to flex. Uh, but the frugality came first. Mm. Right? Like, I didn't. Like I didn't just flex my way to wealth. Like it, 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 it didn't work like that, right? Like, and so I'm not, I'm not gonna be one of these guys that tells you, I, you know, I, I'm gonna drive a Honda Accord until the wheels fall off, and you know, and that's and that's how I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a wealthy person. It's not that. Like I love nice thing. I still love fast nice cars. Car. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I just went shopping before I came here, and so yeah, I like to flex, but I have a 70 unit rental portfolio that I've built up, right? And so my assets pay for my liabilities. And so, yeah, do I buy things that are depreciating? Yeah. But I, I didn't do that while I was building, you know, my portfolio that I have now. It took me, took me a lot of sacrifice and discipline to get there first. Mm -hmm. Okay, yep. next one. How are you building wealth through your real estate? What's your plan for like your family? Do you have a trust set up? Yeah. Like, how are you doing that? Yeah, um, so we are in the, process of moving several assets over into a trust right now um and so everything's in a, in a couple of different llc's right now but we're moving into a trust a business trust format um but i, I but i love that question because like i look at it from the perspective of like there's this like three-pronged attack with wealth there's like you have to you have to build wealth right and then you have to, um, so you like you create the wealth, and then you have to protect the wealth, mm -hmm. right? And so my plan was to make sacrifices, start to build the wealth, accumulate the properties. I've accumulated the properties. It's producing the income that I want it to produce, right? And so then you have to stabilize it. And so once we stabilize those assets, then that's that's really where you start seeing the money. And so like, as an investor, like. HGTV does make real estate investing look sexy. But at the end of the day, as an investor, you're buying under market value. That usually means you're buying some level of distress. It's going to take you time to stabilize those assets before they're really producing income. And so, like, I've only been in this game for five years. So I'm just now getting to a point where a lot of those assets I bought in my first two years are starting to truly pay me, right? Um, and so don't just think you're going to buy a bunch of properties and you're going to be making a bunch of money from day one. Like, doesn't really work like that. Um, that's why I like multiple exit strategies so that you can mm -hmm. flip to generate income so that you can live your life and then hold because that's really the long-term well, wealth. Um, so you, you uh, build your wealth, you stabilize it, and then you got to protect it, right? Mm -hmm. And so part of my protection strategy is 
once I get to 100 doors or so, I'm going to look at my portfolio and see, like, are there, like, how many of my properties would I need to sell in order to pay off the majority of my properties, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, even if it's 50-50, right, 50 free and clear assets will pay you way better than 100 leveraged, mm-hmm. right? Because your heaviest expense is your mortgage. And if your mortgage is not there anymore, then all that is cash flow. And then you're recession proof. It doesn't matter what the market does. No one's going to take those properties from me. They're mine. They're paid off. If I need to lower rent, I lower rent. If I can raise rent, I can raise rent, right? You just got to take care of your taxes, right? That's like, I just want that for my family, right? Mm -hmm. I want to to know that like these are mine. No one can take them from me. They're my families and that wealth is protected. I love that. Last question. Do you have life insurance? I do not. Oh, Henry, we got to change that shit. I do not. Yeah, I heard you. I heard you ask that earlier, and I was like, "Oh boy, here we go." No, <laughs> said said differently. I am. We have actively been pursuing getting life insurance. I don't know. Did this, you only have it through your employer at first? That's I did have it ask. through my employer at first, right? Then I left my I left my corporate job, and then we retired my wife, and um, and so we did pursue getting life insurance. I pursued. We're two different two different companies, but I am. I was not smart as you guys were younger. Like, and there wasn't, wasn't people. That's why I love what you guys do and educating people, like bringing it to people's attention. Like I wish you guys were around when I was younger, but I am now over 40 and I'm not small. Right. And so everybody wants an evaluation a healthy evaluation. And so we're going through some of those things right now. I am pursuing life insurance well before. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Everybody we hang out with is like old as shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I know offensive y'all. <laughs> 40 ain't over. Yeah, no. Um, right. But it, had I pursued it when I was younger, it'd have been easier to it'd get. Cheaper. It'd mm-hmm. have been cheaper. So now, it, and and I'm not really concerned about the cost of it, but just the process of getting it is more difficult. Mm-hmm. I've had to go. I've had to have health screenings and things, and so it's it's been a process. We are pursuing it, and uh, uh, but I I have to I have to pass some physical evaluations before I can get what I want. Hey man, it's gonna happen, dog. We yeah. already know it was already written. Yeah. But you know something though, and that's I appreciate that contribution. Yeah. Just for some of the like. Because all of our listeners are, don't fall within our like yeah, age gap, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like some people need to, and like I don't mean, don't wait, even, man. Yeah, like look into that. Like they need to it's know that hard. that's the thing it's you harder need to for look me. for. It's yeah. harder for me than for like we. I called one company, and they flat up told me that they weren't going to insure me. And then I called mm-hmm. another one, and they did a health screening, and everything came back good, uh, except for one little. I haven't. I haven't. I found out through trying to get life insurance. Mm-hmm. I have an extra beat. Heart murmur. Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, and, it, and so I've I've talked to my doctor, and my doctor was like, "Yeah, that's just a thing you have. Mm-hmm. It's like I will prescribe you nothing for it. It means nothing. It's totally fine. It happens with some people, mm-hmm. but the insurance company still thinks it's a Which risk. Yeah. And so I've got to I've got to get sign offs, and and mm-hmm. there's all these things that come with it. And so yes, I am pursuing it. I don't have it yet, but had I pursued it when I was younger, would have been a whole lot easier to get. Man. So Speaking go get for it for your transparency. Yeah, yeah, man, for real. It, yeah man. So my final question for you: What's a personal finance tip or principle that you live by that you want to share with our audience? Personal finance tip I live by. Um, yeah, man. It, so when I first started, you know, after that uh, panic attack, 
Uh, one of the first books I read was Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? Everybody's everybody's talked about that book, and then I also read The Richest Man. Let's make it do, right. Maybe let's do this, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I also read The Richest Man in Babylon. I love and that in one both too. books that talk about the principle of paying yourself first. Mm-hmm. Now I'd never done that, and I know everybody said this, but like, here's what it, here's why it worked for me. I just tried it. I was like, look, we'll just take ten percent of everything we make, and we'll put it in a savings account in a separate bank first. And I was like, if rap gets too tight, the money's still there. We'll use the money. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but that's how I sold myself on doing it. Um, because I would just have access to it. It would still be liquid. And once I started doing it, and I started to see that account grow, mm-hmm. it made me want to save more mm-hmm. and more. And so, like, I told you I didn't have any financial education before that. I was spending everything I was making. But once I started putting that 10% aside, every paycheck, and I could see it grow every week, when I would do something where I got a little bit of extra money, I wasn't thinking, what car park could I go buy anymore? I was thinking, throw that in an account and see if I can get that number higher, right? It had, a, it had an emotional and, like, chemical reaction in my brain that made me, like, that positive reinforcement, you know, uh, just made me excited to continue to save. And so... I've always loved the, the pay yourself first, and I know it's scary because nobody wants to cut their income by 10%, but just trick yourself by saying, it's there. I can use it if I need to, right? If you really don't want, use that but shit. But don't use it. Don't, yeah. don't use it. But, like, if you put it there, like, just getting it started really, really mm-hmm. changed my life. Like, it, that was my true step one because I told my wife, I was like, look, if we start investing and then we don't do anything for 12 months, but all we did was just pay ourselves 10% of what we make. Look at how much money we'll have. It was, it was super motivating. I, mean, I love it. I love it. I'll let you get into the house cleaning, my yeah. brother. Henry, again, I want to say thank you. I appreciate you coming onto the show. Uh, for everybody that wants to tap in with you, they want to see how they can learn how to invest in real tap estate. Tap into rentals to retirement. Yeah, man. They want to follow you on social media. Let them plug yourself in. Yeah, uh, best place to reach me is Instagram. I'm at the Henry Washington on Instagram, and then um, I've got a free book on using small banks. Um, so it's called like how to finance deals with little to mo- no money using small banks. But that like method of using small banks is what's really helped me grow and scale. And so uh, you can get that at HenryWashington.com uh, for free. And then uh, yeah, uh, my rental to retirement program. We mentor people and help them build wealth through real estate. So you can find that on my link in my bio on Instagram. But Instagram's the best way. What's up? Yeah. Again, brother, thank you, man. I hey, appreciate man. you coming out to Dallas with us. Uh, like, long overdue. This shit should have yeah. happened. Yeah. Shit, what, about two years ago now at this point? Yeah, mm-hmm. man. Something I'm, like that. Probably something like something that. Like that. Somewhere in that range. Happy but, to be here. But we happy. It, it didn't happen when, it was, when it, we thought it was, but it happened yeah, on time. When it's supposed to happen. Yes, yes sir. sir. That's yes, right. Sir. That's right, man. Thank y'all for having me, man. No sure, problem. Man. Appreciate it. So we're going to get into a couple house clean items before we get up out of here. As always, y'all, thank y'all for tapping into the podcast. Make sure y'all leave us that five-star rating and review. Share this with somebody that you believe can benefit from this information. My guy Henry dropped a lot of jewels in here, and I'm going to have to go back and listen to some of this because this small bank thing, I was thinking, you know, damn, boy, I could, I could probably go run a lick on a small bank. Yeah, you know, for real. J.P. Morgan ain't going to give me no loan, but uh, that little city, city bank might, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But yeah, man, y'all tap in with the back, the Black Wolf Renaissance podcast. Leave that rating and review for us. Uh, what else y'all got, man? If you're on YouTube, make sure y'all hit that little notification bell. I need y'all to subscribe to us. Make sure that you're sharing this with a family or friend. Also, 
comment. Let us know what you think about this. Let us know what's your favorite moment from the podcast. Also, Stack Summer. Y'all make Stack sure y'all summer, join baby. the Stack Summer. This whole summer, we're making sure we staying inside, outside, kind of expensive, inflation whipping ass. So we out here <laughs> trying to make sure that we're ready and prepared for whenever shit really hits the fan and starts to bottom out. We're going to be in a position to invest to buy up these assets at really cheap pennies on the dollar type of uh, deals. So if you want to join Stack Summer, if you want to get daily motivational texts, uh, just stuff that'll help you stay motivated on your journey, text the word STACK, that's S-T-A-C-K, to 337-455-778. I'm sorry, 7778. Yes, one more seven. <clears throat> Sir. I task everybody with sending this podcast to two people. Somebody that automatically lets everything tell them no, and a second person that don't got insurance and they need to go get it. Like, and they don't understand how it's gonna be more expensive when they get older. So that's what I task everybody, send it to two people. Two people that it'll help. That's a bet. There you go. You got your marching orders. Make it happen. And until, until next time, this Black Wolf Renaissance signing out. Peace. All right, what's going on? It's your girl, Lala Shepard. Boss Britt, the most lit. What's up? It's your girl, DJ Excel, and you are tuned into the Progress Report podcast. Okay, and if you're a fan of hip-hop news and culture, make sure y'all like and subscribe to our podcast, The Progress Report. Brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators.